police have identified more victims and plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Confirm earlier reports of cannibalism. The building was a scene of ghoulish slaughter. A large kettle on the stove which held boiled body parts. Identified more victims. Killed even more. Plan on more than just the four murder charges filed today. Had sex with some of his victims before he killed them, and that he was also a necrophiliac. <laughs> You are now listening to Growing True Crimes with your host, Maddie Matt, Todd Fox, and Gabby Gabby. Hey, 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 welcome into another episode of the Grinding True Crime Podcast with your host, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host, Joe. And we are back here live to kick it off. Uh, Todd says you have a two-parter, so this will be part one, but before we get into that, I'll let you guys know where you can find us. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook. Just type in Grinding True Crimes, and you can follow us there. Also, if you want to just listen to us, just go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchor, iTunes, and Pandora, and you can listen to some of our uh, past recordings that we've done and our current recording. And for those who are listening to us outside of the country, we love you so much. You can continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public Breaker, and Pocket Cast. If you want to uh, uh, purchase any merchandise, you can go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80, and you can buy some merchandise. Also, leave a five star liking on our page. It, it helps us grow. And uh, last thing, uh, well, two things. We had a cash app feature. If you guys want to support us or donate or however you want to do for our cause, um, just type in dollar sign grinding true crimes if you like to donate for us it'll be great on cash app so that's a dollar sign grinding true crime <sighs> i got all that out the way and before i get started i want to say my piece what we all do on behalf of all of us just want to let you guys know that hey we're not professionals um we are all three friends we're amateurs we we just in here and, and we, we just talk about crime stuff you know we are we're not paid to do this you know we we don't we don't rehearse or anything like that as soon as we press record we're as real as it get and we're giving real reactions at the real time so if this is something you guys don't like hey we're we can't please them all so uh, for those who support us and and like what we do we thank you for those who leave comments and say negative things or you know give uh constructive criticism we appreciate that too but like i said we're not professionals and uh you know we can't please them all so um and that's my piece you guys want to say something yeah it's 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 a casual show maddie and i are husband and wife and then our friend todd they started this out and brought me into it, thankfully, because I enjoy talking about crimes. But we, yeah, like Maddie said, we're not professional. We don't get paid for this. So any support you give for our cause, then that'll make us within time get better at this. But um, negative feedback, positive feedback, it's all fine. We appreciate you guys are still listening. So thank you to the loyal supporters of our show. Yeah, I'll just say um, I agree with both of them. Uh, 
you know, we've gotten a tremendous amount of uh, good feedback, but there's been some people that have been <laughs> way too critical and, and it's, we take it with a grain of salt. It is what it is. We're not going to please everybody, but uh, we're just letting you know that like, we don't have a studio or a staff of like 10 people behind us doing the, you know, helping us out, writing scripts, doing the music. This is like from, you know, like a mom and pop podcast. So it's like, you know, we, we give it our hundred percent, but we don't have that backing. We don't have these sponsors that these other ones get to get the listeners or the followers we've gotten here organically because you, the listener have passed it on to other people. And so we really are greatly appreciated that. So, but we are, we are saying though, just take it a little easy. Sometimes <laughs> we, we get, we get some, uh, <laughs> some comments that are over the top, but it's, Man. <laughs> you know, we, Hey, we're real people. We make real mistakes. We might stumble over a word. We might mispronounce a word. We might, you know, we might laugh about we're certain human. things. But it doesn't mean we're joking about the victim. We we are very remorseful about victims. We mm-hmm. we keep it real. We're real. Okay. So yep. we've never know. we've never made fun of a victim. Ever. Exactly. So, so just want to let you guys know. And if, like I said, if this is not for you, hey, we can't please them all. We, you know, follow another podcast. But for those who listen to us and enjoy us, thank you so much. Just wanted to say that. So uh, with that being said, let me shut up. And let Todd break it down. Go ahead, Todd. Start your story off, my brother. All right. Thank you, sir. We're going to go overseas. Uh, We're not going to be because lately it seems like we've been in California routinely. Uh So (laughs) we're going to be we're going to go to Germany. So, oh, your motherland. Yeah. My my grandfather and and grandma's uh, motherland. (laughs) That's for sure. Uh, One day I want to visit Germany. Oh, that is that is a dream of mine. I've I've got to get over there to see the the motherland as he, as Maddie. Well, said. come with Todd. Well, yes, yeah, we should. I'm part German too, so you know. You're German? No way. Oh, oh yeah. my dad's side. Uh, it's in your blood. You guys got to go together. Look at here. I don't look it. <laughs> hey, you don't have to look it. There's all kinds of Germans over there of every race. Yeah. So. Let's do it. Right. Let's do it, brother. Well, tonight's uh tonight's um criminal in in uh on the spotlight is uh jack unterberger what <laughs> jack unterberger Whoa, i just had to say it like that name? not even gonna try it <laughs> yeah, that's how i have to say it german style like he seems like a guy that would be at like oktoberfest being like hello i'm your server jack unterberger would you like a stein you know something like that by the way man i miss oktoberfest Oh yes, we've I've we've missed. never been. Uh, it's so much fun. Oh, it is so much fun. Yeah, we just yeah. went. But when, when us guys went, though, we never went when the leader hosing or nothing like that. We, <laughs> we dressed normal and let the women dress up oh, all like, <laughs> in the outfits. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. No way. <laughs> yeah, our participation was beer. But uh, beer and more beer. Yes. So. Um, <laughs> Let's let's get let's get into it right now. Uh, Jack was born in 1950 in the historic Austrian town of Judeburg. Okay. Um, his mother was a waitress by day, and unfortunately, a sex worker by night. Oh. Yeah his his mother okay. became pregnant from a U.S. soldier left over from World War II, uh, who was helping uh, rebuild Germany at the time and also occupying it to make sure it was safe. Uh, in the years following 
the uh, World War II. Interesting note on that real quick is the fact that, you know, World War II basically ended in uh, 1945. Mm. But uh, the occupation of Germany was 10 years. And in those 10 years, uh, there was a baby boom because of mm-hmm. all the, the soldiers that stayed there were, you know, away from their families. So there's probably, you know, there was probably a ton of U.S. soldiers who came back and their wives did not know they had illegitimate kids over there in Germany. Uh, wow. Yeah, there was an estimated over 400,000 uh, single wow. mothers uh, left over with children from uh, U.S. soldiers. Jesus Dang, that's Christ. a lot. Yeah, that's a that's a ton. And in the town of uh, where he was at uh, in in Austria, uh, there was uh, thirty thousand. Uh, and his mom and he was one of the the kids left over that did not ever meet his father. His father was long gone by the time he was born. They was just dropping them and dip. Pretty much, yeah. Like, oh well, I'll never be back here again. See ya. See ya. <laughs> there was no yeah, worry. You I mean, have to go with the responsibility because they weren't even from there. I, I, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you know, it mm. is what it is. Yeah, that's it. So it is sad. Though. It is sad. It is. I'm not gonna lie. Yeah, yeah. So there's a lot of like you could probably tell by. I bet you in the 70s you probably saw a lot of like American looking kids over there, but you know, with German mm. kind of hairstyles or eyes or whatever. So <laughs> I don't know. Um. So anyway, uh, he never met his father. It was He was literally a one-night stand baby. Uh, when Jack was only 18 months old, though, his mom kept getting into trouble. Um, 1952, she was arrested uh, for bank fraud and, fra- and passing fraudulent checks. Um, she was then, uh, she, she was in and out of jail for that for about the next uh, five to six years. So by the time, you know, uh, he's pushing eight years old, she gets arrested again on her third charge of p- passing bad checks. And back then they started a social services type thing. Uh, and they wound up, you know, cause she's in jail. They got to place him somewhere and they sent him to his grandfather's house on the outskirts of town. So he was raised by his grandparents. Well, his grandfather, that was like his only other relative around at the time. So that was this male figure that you know he looked up to. Yep, yep. And how old is he at this time? Sorry. No, he's eight years old. Months? He's eight years Ooh. old. Yeah, he, he. No, it's six years later, Matt. So he turned. He's oh, okay. I'm sorry. No, that's cool. He's eight. He's eight years old at this time. It's about like 1958. Okay. And so, um, like a good grandfather who doesn't really have a a job or a steady income. Uh, and who was an alcoholic, the, the grandfather took his rage or frustration at times. Um, and, and the fact that, you know, a kid would be a kid and make a mistake or whatever and annoy him, well, just beat the hell out of him at his, uh, at his disposal, basically. Dang. So, yeah, young Jack was getting beat at a young age. Uh, he also had to share a bed with his grandfather. And can you guess what happened when he shared his bed? Hmm, I can only imagine. Anybody? I'm going to say he was sexually abused. No, thankfully he wasn't sexually abused. Oh, wow. Oh, and he was sharing the bed while the grandpa was flooding it up. Yes, correct. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's still technically sexual abuse if you ask me. Yeah, Yeah. it's a child. 
yeah, I mean, he was in bed and his grandfather was being a horn dog and pretty much having sex with random prostitutes every other night in the same bed. How do these women do that? They know there's a kid on the bed, and how do you feel comfortable right. enough to do that? As long as they get their money. Yeah, the prostitute was yeah. probably on top of the grandfather and like, oh, your G.I. Joe fell. Here, let me give that to you. Go back to sleep. <laughs> As the bed's rocking. That's terrible. I mean, I'm just saying, a lot of prostitutes do that work because they need to take care of their own children. So it's like, you still got to have some kind of conscience. Conscience. Yep, that is true. I and mean, then, yeah, yeah, you're right, you're right. I mean, some people just do it because they out of, you know, they out of luck and they just got to get money. Yeah, yeah. And so this, this began to take a toll on him. Um, but Jack was in and out of school at this time. He was, he was having problems, uh, staying in school. He was skipping school. He, uh, he was, you know, ditching. Um, they also started to, the kids in the neighborhood started to see how he was becoming very narcissistic in his ways, very cunning, manipulative, talking kids out of their toys, uh, getting kids to do things they didn't want to. Um, he was very all about himself. And the school started to see this, too, because at the time, Germany's getting westernized. So, like, whatever the U.S. is doing with their strict school policies, they have been they were influencing Germans over there. Mm. And uh, the Austrian social services got wind of him not making schools, and uh, they put him in a foster home for a little bit. Um, but it's not, you know, the records are very terrible at this time. So we don't know if he was taken from his grandfather for the schooling or the beatings at the time, but it was around 1960 at this time when he was taken away. Oh, dang. So what, he's uh, 10 years old? About 10 years old, yeah. Man. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> not much is known of Jack's, uh, you know, time at, at this time because, uh, you know, after, like I said, the record keeping wasn't good. You know, they're still trying to recover from the war even 15 freaking years later. Um, but he was from his own memoirs, he was, uh, said to be living on the streets at the time, uh, going back and forth, getting arrested for petty theft. Uh, he would, uh, he would take women like literally like you, you ever see those, uh, you ever see those, um, like national geographic, like TV shows or, or the episodes where like, there's a spider hiding in like a gopher hole and like a. Uh, like a scorpion mm-hmm. or, or a bug walks by and, and then just it snatch just, him. yeah just snatches him you know he was doing that in the streets of Austria but grabbing young women or girls uh-huh. and pulling them behind buildings and groping them um, tying them up and masturbating over them oh wow yeah and before you know running away and he would do this but get arrested three times in the process over two years span and was released a day later every time with no criminal record uh, attached to his name. Oh, wow. Yeah. So again, like there's no, um, there's no real records of, of him doing this, but he is said to have been in and out of the jail system over and over and over. He kept getting arrested including one time where they said he was going to face big time uh, jail time and he had a friend smuggle some prescription drugs into the jail cell and he 
intended to overdose on them. He took them, but apparently they were weak, weak drugs and he did not die. So here is the break and the, or that was the break that usually serial killers in all these stories. There's one break, either the police let him off the hook or, you know, something they do doesn't turn out right to where they could have ended it or they could have went in a different way. Here's was his thing right here. If he would have overdosed, he would have did the world a favor and, you know, a lot of lives would not have been hurt because of this. But, yeah. of course, he, he does not overdose. They get lucky, the ones that do harm. Absolutely, absolutely. So, in 1973, Jack had a modest job and was renting an apartment on the outskirts of Vienna, Switzerland. Because Switzerland, Austria, and uh, Germany are going to come up over and over and over uh, because of, this is the area that he would frequent, and it's all border areas. So, he would just go back and forth into three different provinces or countries or whatever you want to call them. Um. On March 31st, 1973, Jack made his way to Salzburg, Germany, uh, where he murdered his first victim, Marissa Horvat. So this, he escalates pretty quickly here at the age of 23. Yeah, he's young. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Marissa was just 24 years old and a local at a hotel where she was a maid. Um, she was a Croatian dis, uh, descent, or she had Cro Croatian descent. She was of Croatian descent, sorry. And um, she moved to Salzburg just three years prior, and she married her husband, Mato, who was of Croatian descent as well, and who was a truck driver. Um, she left on March 31st to her friend's house to spend the night with, uh, while Mato was on a, a long drive. She didn't want to be home alone. Um, but unfortunately, when Mato came home and found that she was not home, he began to panic. And asked the locals and the neighbors if they had seen her, to which they had not. So later the next day, what usually happens when somebody goes missing, uh, namely a woman? Usually, let's see. Police go, police take their sweet time. Okay, Gabby? Uh, normally if she was just, I mean, I don't know if that's what she was doing, but if she was sleeping around, they're just like common prostitute. Um, uh, she like, she's going to be somewhere. They don't take it seriously. Both are, both are usually right. But, um, this one is one that we've had on the story a bunch of times too, where, you know, cause there's always a lot of ways to go on this one, but, um, mm -hmm. usually teenage boys find what they think is a mannequin. And um, mm -hmm. they found two teenage boys were throwing rocks in the river when they saw, thought they saw a mannequin floating down the river. When they came closer to the body, uh, they screamed. And a father and son who were across the on the other side of the river fishing came running over. The father pulled the body out of the water. And it was clear that the uh, woman was naked and dead. Ooh. Yeah. Um, when police <clears throat> when police arrived, they noticed that her hands were tied with a red necktie. So keep that in mind, red necktie. Okay. And her ankles were also bound together with her own pantyhose. Um, okay. Her face had been badly beaten and was bloated from being in the water and the beating when they uh, uh, from the beating when they found her. 
And uh, she also had bandages and gauze shoved down her throat and around her face to cover the beating until they unwrapped it, of course. Dang, man. Yeah, yeah. And poor, poor Motto the next day filed a missing persons report. And, um, you know, as, and he asked the police chief, um, or as the police chief was overhearing his, his report of his missing wife, um, he said, hey, I have someone here, you know, that you need to look at. And uh, basically, you know, would you like to see if this is your wife? I mean, this could be your wife. Can you ID it? Unfortunately, he had the painstaking um, privilege of, of IDing his own wife in the, uh, you know, when he was just trying to file the police report. Wow. Yeah. So that was the first, um, the first uh, victim. So Augusta Shudder. Uh, was 53 uh, year old inspector from the Prague police because it came under the jurisdiction of Prague and it was in the Vienna area forest where her body was found uh, he took up the case and spent numerous months investigating and trying to find out who did this to young Maritza uh, the only good lead that he had was the necktie that was around her wrist he was able mm-hmm. to tr- he was able to trace it back to a uh, to a Vienna town that, or a Vienna town that sold it, uh, or that made them and sold them to a, a small Aus- Austrian town. Uh, when he went to the store where it was sold, um, that's where the case went cold because they did not have any records of who bought the specific necktie, just that it was there. And obviously, wow. obviously, there's no surveillance cameras in 1970. Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> so, wow. Yeah, yeah. Um, so at the same time, uh, you know, in the next uh, year or so, <clears throat> he is uh, he's getting released for sexual deviances this entire time. I mean, this is the 70s. I understand it's not the 50s, but Gabby, what do you think about a guy who just keeps groping women in public and doing sexual things to himself and others? And just continually being released. You know, that pisses me off. Um, <laughs> I think it's stupid. And I, even in those days, I'm surprised that he just keeps going free and has no consequences and no record of his actions. So he's not being held accountable. So I think that the fact that the police keeps releasing him, they should be blamed for all the other people that had to suffer. I agree. And this is this is a problem, too, because if he wasn't getting released because of the incompetence of the police forces, if they did try to prosecute him, he they had weird rules after the the um, the war where if you know, if you were in those if you were in Austria and you committed a crime in Germany, you'd have to be extradited. Or if you were in Switzerland and you committed a, a, a crime in Germany, if you were Switzerland descent, you had to be extradited back. And then you're not you're not getting prosecuted by the people that actually caught you, you know what I mean? Like like you're yeah. just getting thrown back to these other cities that are just like, huh? Why, why are you doing this? And then, oh, you're oh, okay, but they don't really know what's going on. They haven't investigated, and the Germans are just like, oh, okay, well that's that guy's not a problem no more, and they don't pursue it. So the guy keeps just falling through the cracks, and um, so he's. You know, he's going between Switzerland, Germany, and Austria, just continuing to get caught. 
but each time they're but he, he's he's getting thrown back between jurisdictions so yeah. it's a it's a cluster f um man this, i mean I, and then too you know the laws out there are probably a little different than the laws that we have out here you know mm-hmm. they probably women's rights i don't know this is the 70s you know they probably had slap on the wrist like all right stop doing that you know you know what? You're absolutely right, Matt. That's like, I think, whereas women's rights had gained momentum and they were pretty good in the 70s, I want to say. Not excellent, but they're pretty mm-hmm. good compared to what they were in the 50s and stuff mm-hmm. here in America. But I think in Germany, in those areas, they were in the 50s at that point when it was the 70s. You know, they were still behind mm-hmm. us quite they a were bit. still behind. Yeah, I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Yeah. Um. So... It's now December of 1974, early. He's dating a young woman, a German woman by the name of Barbara. Um, Uh-oh. Yeah. The, the, and this, is, this woman is up his alley. I mean, the, two, the two were, you know, when you, when you barely get to know somebody, I mean, you know, I'm, I'm pretty sure when you met Gabby, you had the same thought. You just didn't do it. You know, you, you were like, you know what, Gabby, I'm, I'm enjoying dating you. It's been a couple months. You know what would be a cool date night? Let's go rob your parents. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure you guys didn't have that discussion. You know, call me crazy. Well, the, the third date we might have not. Been. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely not. I know where the money is. Come on. Yeah, see, there you go. Oh, wow. I just don't sit it on air. <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> don't tell me that's what they did. Yes, that was the plan. So, <laughs> yeah, this was pretty crazy. So what happened was they went to go rob the parents. However, uh, you know, the parents were home. So they scrapped that idea. And uh, it took them a good 90 minutes to get to Barbara's parents' house. So, so Jack was pretty frustrated. He's like, look, I'm low on cash. You're low on cash. It's a date night, and I really want to take you out. We were supposed to rob your parents, and uh, now we don't have nothing to do. So being her hometown, Barbara, as they were driving through town, saw a friend of hers from school, Margaret Schaefer. So she said, hey, that's Margaret from school. I know her. And Jack's like, you think we can rob her? And then. Barbara, you would think, would be like, no, that's my friend. She knows me. She says, all right. So, <laughs> so I mean, I don't know why she sounds like a hick in Germany, but she um, she agreed to lure Margaret over to the car where Jack said, uh, I will offer you a ride back into town. You just come in here and you can talk with Margaret and we all can catch up. Uh, hi, my name is Jack. <laughs> and, and then... Uh, she agreed, and the three of them headed into town with Jack. And uh, they went on a side street where Barbara was like, where are you going? You know, like, my house is that way. And uh, right away, uh, Jack uh, took off his belt, punched her in the face, told her to shut up, and then tied her hands behind her back, and then shoved a handkerchief in and around her mouth to where she couldn't yell or scream. And Barbara just uh, held her head down as the two then started driving into the countryside. 
Um, wow. Yeah. This that escalated real quick, right? Man. So Man. people here, you trust. Yeah. So here's here's the problem though. Uh, Jack demanded money, and um, she she asked she gave him uh, thirty marks, which is the equivalent to seventeen American dollars. Um, that's he, all she had. That's all she had. Yeah. So she's like, "That's all I have," and Jack's like, "That is not the good enough." And 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 so like he was really pissed, you know. He's like, "I I I want more money." And and she and Barbara's like, "I I know where I can get more money. Please just don't hurt me." And she's pleading for her life. And and Jack and Barbara stone cold. They're like, "All right." how you know where's this money at she's like it's at my parents house i'll give you the keys they're not home just go in there take what you need and please let me go seems fair enough right fair enough so she stays she complies she doesn't yell she doesn't scream she stays doesn't move around wiggle she you know barbara says she's playing the part because she's appearing she's thinking that they're gonna let her go um jack stays with her in the car barbara goes into the house takes a bunch of high-end clothes and uh comes back with a hundred marks which is 50 american dollars and um barbara said okay well what now what do we do and uh you know because i got what i could from the house they don't really have too much but i got what i could get and jack's like are you sure this is not the more money and she (laughs) said and she says no and um all of a sudden, uh, she says, well, what now? What do we do? And Jack says, Margaret needs to disappear. Oh, that's that's not good. So um, Barbara did not even flinch. And they drove to a secluded area again outside of town by that river. And keep in mind, it's early December. It's cold and snowy in mm. small Germantown. Mm. So... What do you what do you think Jack did to uh, this poor woman? Uh, more than likely, I'm going to say he beat her and just threw her in the river, the cold river, and just let her drown. Okay, Gabby. I'm thinking he probably, being the pig that he is, got some satisfaction out of it. And if he didn't rape her, he at least molested her, got her completely naked so that she could die quicker. I don't know if he might have strangled her and like masked that through her in the river. You almost got it to a T, Gabby. Almost. Like Dang. 95% right. <laughs> That's oh, pretty yeah. good. Yeah, I was going to be like, Matt's got it pretty close too, but but Gab- Gabby was almost right on. Um, here, Here's what happened, unfortunately. Um, so she pleaded for her life as they stopped. Um, she knew something was up because they took her on the outskirts. Um, Jack told her to get naked. And again, it's sub-freezing temperatures at this point. Um, She refused to where he just started to beat her in the face, about four or five good punches to the face to where she became disoriented. Um, Then Barbara uh, came out of the car and and helped strip her naked. And... uh, He's so so as she's naked in the snow, barely conscious, uh, he yells over to Barbara, get the tire iron from the back of the car. Oh, no. Yeah. 
and he gets the tire iron uh, as she hands it to him, and then he picks up Margaret's bra, and then he looks with a smile at Barbara and says, do you want to come with me and her? And she says, no, I'm just going to go back in the car. It's cold. So she goes back into the car and sits. Jack is dragging. Picture this, and I know you don't want to, but if you have an imagination and want to, he's dragging her through the snow. It's at night. She's completely naked. She's in and out of consciousness. And even when she does scream, there is no one around to hear her. Nobody. And he takes her behind the trees and he beats her senselessly until he has enough and then he takes her own bra and strangles her with it. The only part that was off was unlike the first victim, he did not throw her in the river. He left her by the river side, like right on the, the banks of it. My body is getting chills just thinking about it, man. That's a terrible way to go. That is a horrible way to go. Mm-hmm. Yep. Jesus. Oh, how painful. Yep, yep. And here, and here's the thing that's even uh, worse is three weeks go by, and it's nearly Christmas, and two hunters would find her dead body frozen in the woods, still with a bra wrapped around her neck, and her, mm. you know, she's completely frozen in the in the last bit of movement of her body at the time so yeah so this story takes another twist and and there's a bunch of twists in this story i mean a bunch a lot of twists a lot um so it's now 1975 in late january almost a month after the body was found uh so that's the second body found in the woods of vienna <clears throat> and um Jack and and, uh, Barbara confront a little 16-year-old girl who's a runaway but a misfit. She's not Mm -hmm. an innocent chick at all. Her her name is Maria. That's all we know. Okay. Um, She's she's a bit of a runaway, but her parents don't know she's a runaway. Uh, They they filed a missing persons report about her, and she's just living it up, having fun on the streets. Um, but she runs into these two and the three hit it off and they start robbing jewelry stores and general stores and coming up with some big cash and things. And, uh, Jack isn't satisfied and he's like, you know what? Let's, you know, your, your parents are kind of in the money, Maria, you know, they, they miss you. Let's hatch a plan uh, that, uh, we're going to come up with a pic. We're going to take pictures of you. We're going to write a letter. We're going to say we kidnapped you. And you're going to leave something for your parents to know and uh, that it's really you. And we're going to make some money off of them. And then we're just going to we're not going to give you back to them. Obviously, we're going to live it up on your your parents wealth. Mm-hmm. So Maria's like, OK, and she, she's all in. So this guy <laughs> is super manipulative. Like he's just he's getting these women to do his bidding, you know. Yeah. Uh, the, 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 the problem with the plan is is that Jack didn't anticipate the parents being smart to it and figuring that something was wrong. They went to the police and the, and the police were, were like, uh, you know, like, okay, you know, we're, we're going to actually do our job here. And then they, <laughs> they staked out the house. They, they, uh, you know, they were looking for, you know, they, they set up a ransom meeting point to where the cash could be delivered and stupid Jack shows up 
with Barbara and Maria to pick up the cash. Wow. And the police are all there to be like, uh, yeah, hold up, put your hands up. You're under arrest. <laughs> and that was it. You know, like they got arrested. All right, Arnold. Right, <laughs> yeah, right, right on the spot. That's the Austrian police right there. They all talk like Arnold. But uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, it, so so when they're in interrogation, uh, you know, they're they're looking to pin several crimes on these guys. You know, they like they they're trying to figure out what other places they robbed, you know, if they were in any other kind of murder cases or, or any kind of cases that could be attributed to these three because they figured these guys are pretty good criminals. This can't be their first rodeo. Absolutely. And uh, Barbara actually flips and she says, I was there when Margaret was murdered. And they're all, what? Dang. Well, there you have it. Yeah, she fl- she flipped on him. Like like she's nothing. Next. What are you saying? I said she's next. <laughs> well, unfortunately, she gets immunity for everything, so she she gets she gets away with this. Uh, she's not charged. Okay. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but I'm saying in his books, she's next. Yeah, yeah, exactly. He wanted to kill her for sure. Um, but uh, yeah, and here's going back to that whole weird thing um, because. Margaret was a German citizen and the murderer was Austrian descent. They extradited him back to Austria because he was he was uh, arrested by German and, and uh, uh, what do you call Austrian authorities. They worked together, mm-hmm. but uh, he he went back to Austria and uh, Augusta, who was the um, who was that the first detective got wind of the story through the newspaper and uh, he still had that unsolved case about the first girl that was in the the water and uh he he just had this creepy feeling that jack was a suspect he's all yeah he goes i must get him and terminate him right away <laughs> and, and, hey, Arnold. <laughs> and he goes I, I want to interview jack and so he got an opportunity to interview him and uh he asked him about maritza and uh he jack was like i've n- i've never heard of the woman <laughs> and then uh, Jack did not uh, know that Augusta had did his homework. And he's like, yeah, I have immigration records of you coming and going. And you were in the town at the very time she was murdered. <laughs> he's like, oh, crap. <laughs> and then Jack was like, that doesn't mean nothing. <laughs> and so uh, he kept denying it. <laughs> and uh, Augusta also said, you know, you were in that town the same Austrian town where that necktie was sold at that specific time. But all he had was circumstantial evidence and Jack knew this and did not crack one bit. So Augusta was turned away because German authorities were like, all right, you had your time, Arnold. You can't, I mean, Augusta, you can't, um, Arnold. (laughs) Yeah. Like there's, there's no way of getting this guy. You know, he's, you know, you don't you don't have no real evidence on him. We're trying him for murder anyway. Don't worry about it. You know, like stop trying to close a case that's probably not his. But he he knew it was his. He he just had a feeling. Mm-hmm. So we fast forward to 1976. It's two years later, and um, he initially said, "Okay, you know what? I plead uh, innocent." You know, but when the court case started. He broke down on on the on the uh, witness stand. Oh, and, yeah. So nobody was expecting this. Um, 
so here's what he said. He said he he goes, I claim, you know, he claimed that when he was dragging her uh, in a fit of rage because of his, uh, I guess, rough upbringing, he wasn't really going to kill her, but just leave her out in the snow and then take off. But then said that he got a picture of his mother in his brain on her face. And that's when he took the tire iron and started beating the crap out of her and everything. Ooh. Yeah. That's what he claimed. So. Yeah. Right. He did not grab that tire iron if he didn't mean to kill her. Exactly. exactly. He was already naked. He could have made her run off and then take off. Well, see, you know what's up, but you know, with, with these criminals, when they actually get caught or when, when it's murder or something like that, they say, oh, it's an out-of-body experience. You know, I wasn't, I, I just went bl- uh, blank in the head and then I just, you know, I woke up and the person or persons were bleeding and stuff. It's like they magically don't remember doing what they're doing. Absolutely. I think there is people like that, but way too many people try to use that excuse. And so, no. True. From the beginning, doing what you did, it's obvious that you had already the intention to get rid of her. And you said it. And she needs to it. disappear. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, with all that said, I mean, right there, you're going you're gonna to tell him he's guilty. Gabby's already got him guilty and losing his wang as we speak. Because <laughs> um, <laughs> he even tried to use the troubled tri- childhood. He's like, oh, I had to see my grandfather's pecker, you know, at a, at a young age and everything. And the, the jury just <laughs> didn't buy it, you know. So they sentenced him to life in prison in Steinberg, Germany. So, Oh, wow. That's the end of story, right? You would think so. <laughs> Wrong. <laughs> I was gonna say there ain't no two parts. That's about saying, that ain't that. That's not too park worthy, bro. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. This is <laughs> we're working towards it. Um, <laughs> okay, wait. I don't even know what to expect. He got life. How he got life. Exactly. Did he keep killing? Well, here is again. Here is a, a trippy twist. One of the. This is a twist that you pretty much are going to be like, okay, I've never heard of this before. Like, like I I can't believe this went from this to this. It's like a complete 180. So, so again, he's, you, again, it should be end of story right there. He's got a long story. Yeah. Now they know he had a long list of groping women, sexual deviancies, uh, you know, the rape, whatever the murder they couldn't pin the other murder but they got the murder right here you know he he's done no more mm-hmm. <sighs> almost immediately into his incarceration jack knew that he was not going to be in jail the rest of his life he had to find a way out he had special x-men powers he just didn't know how to use them yet his x-men powers were to manipulate people and he he had to use these skills and he found a way to use them. And keep in mind, he didn't go to school for all these years. So he really couldn't read or write. So okay. the, the first thing he did when he got to prison, he enrolled into to classes on how to learn how to read and write. Okay. Then as he got his proficiency up in uh, to, to read and write, he began to take writing classes on how to, you know, write stories and things like that. So he's putting, I mean, he's there all day. You might as well do something. So he's going to class every freaking day, but he's all in. And, uh, he, he begins to realize that his skills of manipulation 
are going to help pay him off if he's going to get or going to pay off if he's going to get out. So he needed to he's he thought that the reason why he didn't get out of his jail sentence was the fact that he didn't convince the jury of of uh, feeling sorry for him and not expressing himself the right way. So storytelling was going to be the way to get out of it. Oh, no. <laughs> mm. Yes. So mm-hmm. in 1979, Jack began, this is three years straight of him reading, writing, learning how to write stories. You know, he probably had a bunch of wadded up papers on the ground of all these rough drafts. He starts to write poems and children's novels. What? Mm-hmm. Really? Yes. And some of them actually, the guards would start to read and then they would pass them on to other people. And then somehow, some way, they got to the publishing company the or Austrian publishing Get out. Uh, broadcasting company. Yes. And they began to share their books with certain kid groups at schools. Uh, his his little writings, his storytellings. He came up with new characters, and the kids loved it. So soon, mothers began to read it, and they wanted to put it in the curriculum of the schools. So, yeah. by, so by like 1980, 81, Jack is already becoming a, you know, he's being offered a book deal while in prison. From a murderer? Yes. And these parents didn't know the his background at this time, that he's a freaking murderer. This is unbelievable. Yeah, exactly. So that was four years into his incarceration. He he was starting to get accolades and getting noticed. Okay. Two years later, he writes his memoirs, Into Hell Through the Eyes of a Guilty Man. It's a novel to where he portrays himself uh, going through all the rough childhood stuff, the upbringing, the beatings, the reform, losing... uh, you know, not knowing his father and then his new lease on life in prison after you know, his det- detestable things that he writes about and the his work towards redemption. It's one of the redemption stories. So interesting. Yeah, his book was uh, published by Manuscripta, which was one in 1982, which was the biggest European publishing company at the time. Um, it became an Austrian bestseller. He gained notoriety with fans all the while in 1983, where people saw him now as a victim instead of a killer. Wow. Yes. A victim of what? <laughs> the system, of course. Hello, the system the put him there. Victim of the system. Accordingly. In any country, the system is wrong. <laughs> yeah. It's not what the person does, it's the system. It's wow. like it's like when a gun kills somebody. They don't blame the person shooting it. They blame the gun. They blame the gun, the bullet. <laughs> yeah, because the gun picked itself up, loaded itself, and shot at somebody. Yeah, they don't. They don't mind that uh, George is the one that killed the person. They're like, the nine millimeter is the problem. <laughs> get rid of the gun, and you get rid of the killing. Exactly. I guess they don't realize that people can be killed by various different other weapons, even if the guns weren't weren't there. So absolutely, I'm eating a tire iron. Yeah, I mean, shoot, you can go back to the Bible. Cain beat Abel with a rock, and or you know whatever you know. So he's good point. Yeah, it can happen. Um, so just like here in California, you know, we've seen it, especially with 
everything that's happened over the years, uh, you know, when someone famous or, or someone maybe goes viral for something that, you know, uh, maybe people like the elite of Hollywood will be like, oh, you know what? I don't feel that that person deserves to be in prison. Let's start a GoFundMe for him or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Or they try to make a, a social media bid to to make awareness that that person shouldn't be in jail. You know, we, we need to we need to somehow get them out. We need to get them lawyers, blah, blah, blah. That's happened mm-hmm. to, to many, to many people. And that's what happened here. Um, the elite of Austria, your bigwigs, your politicians, uh, your musicians, um, your teachers unions <laughs> wanted Jack released. You know, they're like, no, no, he's paid his debt to society. Look what he's doing with these brilliant writings. We're keeping him cooped up in a prison cell. Well, yeah, because he killed somebody. You know, exactly. He's where he should be. But but they were like, oh, this. Sorry for him because he's in prison. Yeah, they were like, this genius is locked away. He should be out helping the world grow. Shut up. By writing books. Yeah, by writing books. And uh, so this. This is this is getting out of hand. The, the the prison is getting like just killed by the media. They're getting all these letters about people wanting him to be released. They actually the TV station, uh, Austria's biggest television station, has a midday uh, storytelling like uh, kids show. Mm-hmm. And guess who gets to do live readings twice a week from the prison? Yeah, on television. Yes, Jack jumpsuit and everything yeah he's reading his own stories to kids you know that is so stupid with, yeah. his, with his uh with his jail with his jail clothing yeah pretty pretty much he's like <laughs> hi kids you know he's trying to do a barney type thing or hey kids i've got the story for you today he's, yeah <laughs> why you have to do the yacht i don't know <laughs> i'm terrible i'm supposed to have a better german accent and i don't i see either arnold or a bad waiter you know i don't know we forgive you. I know it takes practice. It does. I, I really didn't practice my German accent, so I, I'm just I'm just baffled that this guy got a you know basically a, a offer to be a publisher and, and this you know storyteller and yeah he's still in jail. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the the craziest part is that um, he's actually so so in 19 uh, what is it he's actually released. Because uh, to, to his, well, not released fully, but released to go out to see the premiere of his movie. There was a movie made about his book and his life wow. story. Keep in mind, he's not 40 yet. He wrote memoirs about his, you know, he, he's, he's in his late 30s. And it got turned into a book. And then now it's a movie. And he was at the premiere of the movie. Wow. Yes. And... Uh, <laughs> That is the dumbest thing. <laughs> yeah, right now the Austrians aren't gaining, uh, you know, brownie points as far as the, uh, you know, you're not you're not going to put them up with the smartest people right now. But, nope. Uh, nope. But in 1983, Dr. Wolfgang Dolish was at the premiere and had a lot of time to talk to him, and thought that this guy was, you know, just had a bad luck in his life and should be released and is by his estimation a very uh reformed person and uh they and a couple other prominent people tried to get him released 
right after that movie premiere. But the Austrian government's like, look, we have rules. The earliest you can be per- per- uh, paroled when given a life sentence is 15 years. And at this time, it was only 10 that he was there. So for the next five years, he continued to do televised readings, radio readings. He kept publishing kids books. And, uh, you know, he was getting royalties in a bank account while being incarcerated the entire time. If I'm if I'm one of his cellmates, I'm going to school every day and starting writing. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> I mean, for real. <laughs> so you got to do something because he's just and he's winning at this point, even though he's behind bars. Jesus. I'm still in awe. And he it, and he's just sucking it all up. He sure is. He sure is. So on April 27th, 1990, he came up at the parole board for his first, uh, um, you know, parole hearing. And he used his narcissism, his manipulative powers to fool the psychiatric trio of doctors who were there to evaluate him before the parole board. Mm -hmm. And as he did, uh, he convinced all three of them that he was reformed. And due to his ambitious learning abilities and writing that he has steered away from his former wrongdoings of bad sexual and murderous desires. So the really, yeah. So the doctors convinced the parole board that, Hey, stamp of approval, let him out. He's good. Johnson. (laughs) He's good. Johnson. They found a Johnson and were like, Hey Johnson, he's good. There's Johnson everywhere. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or no, if it's in Germany, it's Janssen. Janssen. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, he was he was released, and as he was released and granted bail, he automatically got a hold of his uh, movie uh, money, his book sales, and uh, right away he was interviewed on local and national television shows. So he's famous now. So he's famous now. Yes, he's probably your biggest um, celebrity at this point in Austria in 1990. If if I'm an Austrian celebrity at that time, I'm pissed. Yeah, right. I if mean, I'm this Mr. Von Trapp from uh, Sound of Music, I'm pissed off. Well, this teaches people a whole lot of things: become a murderer, go to prison, but write stories for kids, and you'll be fine. You'll get out, become famous, and be rich. Mm-hmm. And Jack went right for lavish designer clothing and expensive cars. So he was he was blowing his money left and right, but he was looking good while he was doing it. I bet. So he's also uh, took in uh, he took two photographer uh, two prominent ph- photographers took pictures of him, which I'll post one of them because it's like for a GQ magazine of Austria at the time. Mm-hmm. And if you look at him, you're like, that's not a murderer. That's not even a guy who writes children's books. You would think he's like a fashion designer or a freaking movie star. But that's how he looked like. And that's how he was living. Looking like a young GQ. Sure was. Wow. <clears throat> so he knew that the money from the books and the movie wouldn't last that long. And oddly enough, when he was out of jail, he stopped writing children's books. You know, like... <laughs> He had the itch not to, to to write anymore. You know, the passion was gone. Oh yeah, he got what he wanted. 
Exactly. So he wanted to stay in the spotlight too. So he, he developed a friendship with a uh, newspaper editor and he said, Hey, I would like to come, you know, you like my writings. You were one of the persons that helped me get out. You know, I would like to write for your newspaper. And, uh, the 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 gentleman said yeah you know what you'd be a great uh, reporter for us you could you know it could be on you know you could write some stories and if we like them we'll publish them blah blah and we're sure you we, we're, we're sure that the, we will because you know you're a, a good writer so he got the job to uh, be a uh, news newspaper reporter so one of his first ideas though was that he wanted to go to the city of prague and he wanted to interview sex workers and prostitutes and ask them about their ideas and their uh, um, and, and how they get through day-to-day night-to-night life you know as a sex worker so it was like one of those in-depth uh, human stories you know like tug at your or your heartstrings he wants to mm-hmm. he wants to say oh my god you know she's supporting her family and she's out there and the drug use is rampant like one of those stories you know I feel like he's got a, you know, a different motive for doing this. <laughs> You're right, Matt. You're absolutely right. Doesn't he always? <laughs> Nothing appears to be what it seems with this guy. Absolutely. You guys are, you see, you, you detectives, man, I'm telling you, you could hey, be solving I, cases right I'm now. <laughs> <laughs> <There you go. laughs> oh, man. Um, so on September 14th, 1990, you know, he hasn't been out much at all. You know what I mean? Like as far as he, he's barely been out of jail a few months. Uh, you know, he's barely started working for this, uh, for this newspaper. He gets a Czech woman, uh, to talk, uh, to, to the various Czech work uh, sex workers because he doesn't know that language. And, uh, but then she retires for the night. She's like, okay, I'm gonna go to bed. He's like, okay, you know, I've just got a few more things to do. I'm gonna hit the hotel afterwards. Cause they're on location for the newspaper. And, uh, okay. but as he's out, he sees a woman talking to a, um, a taxi cab driver. And, um, you know, he, uh, <clears throat> he would say, uh, you know, like, like he would, he, he watched her for a little bit. And then, uh, you know, as the taxi cab took off, the woman's name was Blanca. Um, that would be the last time she would be seen alive. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and he was the last one to see her alive, basically. Um, the, the taxi cab driver was the last one to talk to her. Um, Blanca's body would be found by workers on September 15th, which is the next day in the hills above Prague, which is close to those Vienna woods again mm-hmm. on the borders of those areas in the, that Germany area in Austria area. Uh, her hands were bound. She had been strangled, but the thing was, uh, that was, that had strangled her was missing though. And her legs were spread wide open and she was naked from the waist down. So she was on her back. Um, her wedding ring was still on her finger. Um, she unfortunately was married during the day and like her, like his mom, like Jack's mom, a uh, prostitute at night. Oh yeah. Uh, witnesses. Is that why? Yeah. He, he, um, he found out she was a prostitute and, uh, yeah, that was, that was part of it. Um, 
Witnesses did say, though, that they saw a man in the area that looked about 40. And, uh, you know, he didn't belong in the area. And Jack was turning about 40 at that time. So whoever guessed 40 got it right. But oh, yeah. uh, but that's all they had was just a, you know, a 40-year-old man in the area, good-looking guy. You know, that's it. No real description other than that. Um, this was an itch Jack needed to scratch, apparently. You know, he hadn't killed in over 15 years. So this was one of those things where he's like, oh, you know, I feel so much better. It was an instant gratification. That sounds terrible. But it is. Yeah. But that's how these these psychos think, you know, like, like oh, yeah, you know, I got one off basically. <laughs> what a murder, you know. And um, that's sad. Yeah, it is sad. And and after this, you know, he went back and wrote that story about the prostitutes and how hard it is for them to work at night, knowing that he just offed one of them. And uh, so he he returned and, and, and went about his business like nothing happened. Um, and he thought that's all he needed to do was get that killing out of the way. But a month later, the itch came back. And it's October 26, 1990. He found himself looking for a story on the newspaper uh, for the newspaper one night uh, on something completely different when it turned him back into the prowl for another victim. And he found one uh, by uh, the age of 39, a sex will, uh, worker, uh, Broda Hill Massa. Um, I know I'm butchering that name, but that's Broda Hill. One. Yeah. Broda Hill. I kind of killing that one, uh, <laughs> but uh, she was seen talking to uh to a couple people on the street and uh after that she disappeared and um again 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 i I don't know how many times we've done stories and i've already said it once in this story but this is the second time where poor kids are scarred again they stumbled upon her dead body in the same hills and vienna forest of austria wow um her body was badly beaten and she was strangled as well, a uh, bra around her neck, and uh, her hands and feet bound. Jesus. Yeah. I wonder if he if he's doing the same tactics that he did prior to. Oh, as far as trying to lure them or whatever. Yeah, trying to lure them or you know grope them from behind or something like that. Like like what what's you know did he change it up? Or, you know, I, well, I'm, that's just me. I'm wondering. Yeah, unfortunately, with these two victims, we don't know how he how he kidnapped them. Other than that, they were last seen. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, all the other stuff was written in his memoirs. From what you know, he he went into deep detail of what he did. But these are grainy at best. This is a you know they only know how you know when they went missing and when they were found and what state they were in. Now let me ask a question. And. If you have a person or uh, that's serving life, that's supposed to serve life, it, let's say they were supposed to be put to death, mm-hmm. and then they have this, you know, famous moment, and guess what? They're released. Do you, as the government of Austria, whatever country you are, do you put a tail on him, knowing that he has this high case and he was, uh, you know, sentenced to life? Do you, do you put a tail on That's a good point. Um, it's hard to say because you don't know how, like, how what the budget is for that to, to work out. 
but you would think you'd have to hire you know an agency or a private eye or something to to, to do that if your police couldn't cover it because to me that's that's just something that's you know these offenders rarely stop doing what they're doing exactly you know? especially sexual predators they they never change it up you know they'll they'll offend into their 70s 80s 90s it doesn't matter you know mm-hmm. these people are sick bastards from the start they're gonna stay that way mm-hmm. so i would at least bugged his house yeah at least something because it's like i like you said todd sex offenders tend to not change it up yeah there's yeah, just would have been having somebody following him around and see that would have that would have paid off on but unfortunately <clears throat> the austrian government and the big wigs the celebrities and everybody that lobbied for him to get out is a bit blood guilty on this one uh, a lot not a bit <laughs> yeah because this was not uh, this is not the end of the case obviously we're going to go into part two but this is the end of part one and unfortunately jack is just getting started whoa yeah so this was victim number two since he's been released yeah this is four overall for uh, overall, so you're yeah. saying there's more to come? There's more to come, and um, with these two, the last thing I'll say about uh, before we end this one is that uh, August is reading the paper and he sees and watches the news reports of two more bodies being found in the Vienna forest area of the Vienna woods, and now they're calling them the Vienna woods murders, and they're attributing it to a serial killer. And right away, Jack is the first name that comes to his head and uh he's furious at this point so that's what can you blame (laughs) yeah yeah because he he was trying to get him locked up after the second murder he was like you know that he should have been locked up for good you know and unfortunately he got out and uh there is multiple twists coming in in part two oh no yeah, it's gonna get pretty crazy, so stay tuned. And we're gonna stay get tuned. mad, huh? Yes, you are. Yes, you are. Because this is uh, again, um, murdering the one, not being able to get a hold of him. I get, I get that when he was sentenced and got caught for the second one and all the other stuff and his history coming up to it, he should have been locked away. The key should have been thrown away. I don't care oh, if he absolutely. writes. I don't care if he writes a Nobel Peace Prize. <laughs> worthy book you know he should not be let out absolutely absolutely he can have the cure of diseases take the cure keep him locked up (laughs) exactly (laughs) but unfortunately he's free to kill and kill he does wow that pisses me off yeah To, to have your man and you got him he's locked up and then to have the the people of Austria, the celebrities of Austria, the government just say, you know what? He writes really good. Let's let him go. Yeah. They have been sentenced to life. And then how the freak does a person sentenced to life get released? It's really, really rare. Yeah. Yeah. But this guy was clearly guilty. So, uh, yeah, they failed right there. Manipulation was definitely his mutant power. Absolutely. Because again, I mean, when, when, Gabby's right. And he's dead to rights. He should be in jail the rest of his life. You got Barbara testifying against him. You got the kid testifying against him. You got his own testimony against himself. What more do you need? (laughs) 
know, <laughs> it's like, dude, he just he killed a woman brutally, and and you're just gonna let him go? Yeah. Okay. So oh, I can't wait to see how this ends up, man. For real. Yeah, a lot of people unfortunately are gonna be chastised after this because of the stuff that happens afterwards. It's just right. it's mind boggling. That's all I gotta say. All right. What was his last name again? Unterberger. Unterberger? Yes. Jack Unterberger. Unterberger. <laughs> <laughs> Jack Unterberger. Well, that was part two of Jack Unterberger. Part uh, one. Narrated by Ty. <laughs> so uh, we'll um, we'll close it here. And I want to let you guys know that, um, well, first, we appreciate you, Ty, for breaking that down. Part two will be next week. Yes, sir. Uh, before we get out of here, just want to remind you guys, you can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Just type in the Grinding True Crime Podcast. Please follow us. Leave a comment. You know, leave a like. We appreciate that. Um, if you want to continue to listen to us, we can go to Podbean, Spotify, Anchors, iTunes, Pandora, and that's it. Yeah. <laughs> and for those listening to us out the country, uh, continue to listen to us on Podchaser, Radio Public, Breaker, and Pocket Cash. Once again, go to redbubble.com, type in Todd Fox 80 for merchandise, leave us a five-star liking, and also we have Cash App, if you like to donate, you don't have to, no pressure. But if you like to, uh, go to, uh, you can donate to dollar sign grinding true crimes. Well, cash out. Yeah. So, with that being said, this is uh, Maddie Matt, along with our narrator for today, Todd Fox, and the other host of the show, Gabby. And we are signing off. Toodle. Peace. And come back now, you hear? <laughs>